0: I'm your host, Seth Day. I use he, they pronouns, and you're listening to Radchild Podcast. Today is our our part two of um, our little sexual orientation theme. I
1: am going to invite my wonderful guests to introduce themselves. I'm Lauren, also called Wren sometimes. Uh, I use she, her pronouns. I'm from Long Island. I am a teacher, I teach kids pretty much all ages, from about toddlers to college age and beyond. I am bisexual and polyamorous. Obviously, uh, I see a lot of kids who are questioning, who are who know what they are, or who um, are kind of wondering where their place is, and they have questions sometimes, and I try and answer them.
2: I am Nicole. I'm from Lawrence, Kansas. I am a teacher as well. I teach PE pre-K through eighth grade. I use she, her pronouns. And my orientation is I am a lesbian. And my relation to the topic is that I teach PE and health. And also, like Lauren said, I work with a ton of kids who are questioning, who are coming out, and who really just kind of want to know, like, what's my life going to look like when I'm older? Like, is this okay? And just kind of want to get ideas from me because I'm like one of the only out teachers that they know.
3: I am Nadine Thornhill. My pronouns are she, her. I am coming to you from north of the border. I am here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. My sexual orientation is I am a black queer femme and my relationship to children. Uh, personally, I am raising a child who's a longer child. They are 13. years old So I live with a teenager, which is a new and uh, wild experience. And professionally, I am a sexuality educator. And my focus in my practice is child and adolescent sexuality. So I work both with children and teens directly. And I also do a lot of work with parents, caring adults and teachers. And so Not only am I spending a lot of time with youth who are, you know, exploring their sexuality, including things like orientation and identity, but I'm also helping adults sort of navigate these conversations around sexuality, orientation, identity, you know, as they're sort of figuring out ways to sort of parse this information for themselves and then share that with youth in their lives, which is always, you know, really interesting and sometimes challenging. But yeah, it's part of my job that I
0: love yeah absolutely and I love how you said conversations plural because I think that's something we talk about a lot with like any of these topics it's like never just one conversation you know it's like an ongoing conversation I think that that's a really important distinction to make because especially when it comes to like sex and things like that I feel like there's this sort of myth that you have like the talk it's one talk and you sit down and you have it and then you never have to talk about it again and so I think that that's really important (laughs) All right. So before we sort of dive in this, uh, you know, on the podcast, we talk a lot about uh, sort of topics that tends to be maybe um, tricky or we don't always have the answers to um, on hand. And so I'm just curious if there's ever a time where a child asked you a question that you weren't totally prepared to answer or kind of caught you off guard and it doesn't necessarily have to be related to sexual orientation or sexuality. It can be anything.
1: I know a student once like straight out asked me what my orientation was and I was just not comfortable telling them. So I was just like, well, you know, I keep that to myself. And we moved on from there. But that was a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's totally fair. And also, like, an important, kind of an important lesson, like, especially with younger kids, like, they ask a lot of questions, and they make a lot of observations. And so there's, you know, that, that sort of moment of like, well, it's okay for you to wonder about that, or it's okay for you to think that, but maybe you don't always want to say that directly to a person. (laughs) So I think it's kind of a learning experience of boundaries too.
1: Yes. Uh, Older kids don't usually ask me, Um, I have bright blue hair. A lot of older kids do like a squinty eye, like they're trying to do the math meme kind of thing. And they're like, "Mm, I I don't think this person's entirely straight. I mean, kids are constantly asking questions I'm not prepared
2: to answer their kids. They're so curious. I would agree with Lauren about kids sometimes asking questions about your identity or looking at you sideways in a different way. I don't so much have that from the younger kids, but with my older kids, I have that like... With a lot of kids, I'm out and they know, but some kids that are new or just coming in or haven't quite caught on, my wife will come in and they'll be like, sister?
1: or oh. <laughs> Hashtag good friends. The only thing I
3: have to add is that, yeah, my 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 own kid seems to have sort of a radar for whether I'm, I'm prepared and in the headspace to answer questions or whether I'm not. And then like, Instinctively, just does the opposite, and I remember like in the beginning of my career, and I was still, you know, learning a lot, which I still do now. But you know, I was really learning a lot. Um, You know, I didn't, you know, have all of my. My strips down and whatnot. Um, that was when there would just be constant questions about everything. Um, you know, in the middle of the grocery store or when we were on public transit, like it was often in these areas where I was like, there are a lot of people who don't know us around. And they would be, they would seem to be questions out of context, like, Mom, why am I having an erection right now? And I was like, what? I'm trying to to cry, stereo. what's happening? (laughs) And now that, you know, I feel a little calmer and a little bit more prepared, of course, it's, uh, I don't need to talk to you about this, mom. It's fine. I've got it. I know what I'm doing. So it's sort of me, like, trying to get some information in, you know, as he's going past me to his room to play video games or (laughs) going out the door to his friends. I'm like, wait, oh, I only have you for a few more years. I have important things to tell you. Ah, you know, um, we do what we can. I'm curious,
0: sort of, when when y'all were kids, when did you kind of realize that there were, you know, other uh, options? It's kind of a weird word, but like other, you know, other things besides, um, you know, being heterosexual when it comes to sexuality.
1: I was pretty young. I was definitely less than ten, but it was only in the context of like, I grew up in an Irish Italian Roman Catholic family, so I knew about gay men only in the context of like those people are weird. I think the first time I even like I had heard the word lesbian, but I didn't know what it meant. And I, I want to say it's when Ellen DeGeneres came out is when I, I honestly was like, oh, wait, there, it can go the other way, too. It's not just. Yeah. So thanks, Ellen DeGeneres, for uh, making my mother in particular a little less terrible. But yeah, I was I was I was pretty young.
0: It's, it's so funny, like, the ways in, the, in which we learn things and the ways that, like, like, kids process things where, like, you can process, like, oh, a man can be with a man, but that doesn't open up the door to, like, oh, wait, a woman can also be with... Like, right, it, right, Your brain doesn't
1: make this no, make no, this no. when you're a kid. It's like, oh, okay, so this is a thing, but the other way around is just totally different.
2: I think I was probably in, like, middle school. I knew that men could be together, and I knew that butch women could be together, but I didn't identify that way, and so I didn't really see myself in that way. And so I was kind of confused, like, I didn't know two femme women could be together or a femme woman and a butch woman. And so that was really confusing for me even coming out, like, is this a thing? Can I do this?
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. I think, and I think that's why, like, we'll get into this later, but why representation is so important. You know, it's funny, like, looking back, I'm sure that, you know, there's a reason that I remember this so strongly, but I have such a strong memory of, like, my mom and I having a, a casual conversation in the car about her her friend's sister had transitioned from male to female and she was like oh and you know she's never she probably didn't even use the right pronouns but she was like you know they're never gonna get you know no one's ever gonna love them because they make an ugly an ugly woman and like that was my first intro to trans people (laughs) so like I knew it was a thing but I was like this isn't a thing you want to do you know and I don't think like and I never that was probably until I was in out of college, probably the only, you know, representation that I had, that was the only, you know, reference. And it was funny, because my friend, I would like, I was talking to my friend at one point about, you know, I would constantly be like, telling her things that she would be like, dude, I think that you're just tra- like, I think you should just transition. And I'd be like, I'm too short to be a guy. I can't do it. I was like, it doesn't work like that. I'm too
3: short. And she was like, I don't, I don't think that's how gender works.
0: But anyway, Nadine, do you have anything for that?
3: So in terms of orientation, I can't remember. I do have a recollection of hanging out with some of my girlfriends when I was in fourth or fifth grade and they're, you know, somebody sort of in a hushed tone saying something about how the word lesbian meant, you know, two women who marry each other. And I remember hearing that and being like, yeah, I know what that means. So I had obviously already heard of or learned something about same gender attraction. Um, I very clearly remember when I first learned that uh, trans people existed and that gender was much more fluid. And it was when I was 17 and my best friend and I snuck in to see The Crying Game, even though uh, we were too young, it was the first time I snuck into a movie that I was more old enough to see there's a scene I believe it's a sex scene where it's revealed that the female protagonist has a penis and I remember sort of being like oh wait what oh okay um and I was like that's fascinating and I think I was sort of taken aback for 10 or so minutes in the film but then I became so invested in this romance that was happening between um, you know this woman and the male protagonist, and by the end, I was just like, their love is so pure. I just want them to together. I want everything for them, and so that was my my introduction to sort of gender diversity, and and I think you know, sort of similarly, for a long time, that was the only iteration of of transness or gender diversity that I was aware of, and so. You know, it was still, you know, years after that when I realized I was like, oh, you know, men can have vulvas. And then there are folks who are non-binary and it just kept expanding and expanding.
0: So, you know, if again, this is I mean, this is a caveat to every question. But, you know, assuming you're comfortable sharing, I'm curious how old you were uh, when you first had an idea that you were not straight. Not necessarily that you were like, I am definitely this. But, you know, just sort of had uh, kind of an inkling that you were different.
1: Looking back I know that what I was feeling was attraction to, like, a girl. Like, Jasmine was the first I was like, I I love Jasmine so much. She, like, makes me feel a certain way. But I didn't know what that was as a kid. I would say the first time I realized it for what it was, I was probably, like, about 13 or 14 and immediately panicked. Because growing up the way I did, that's just not ways that you were supposed to feel so i freaked out about it for the next like let's say seven years For i you know now can look back and go oh when like i when i would follow that person around in junior high i had a crush on her like it's not i i didn't just want to be really good friends with her and like pet her hair like it's not that's not what that was baby girl but yeah definitely middle school probably like seventh eighth grade Yeah, I have this
2: super vivid memory of being in high school and sitting and listening to music and just like thinking. And at the time, I didn't have boyfriends and I had this group of really, really close girlfriends. And I remember thinking to myself, what if I'm gay? And then I like immediately pushed that thought way, way down deep, and was like, "Nope, there's no way that's not true. You just haven't had a boyfriend yet. That's not what you like." And yeah, and then I pushed that away for a really long time until like my twenties. So <laughs> that was a fun one
3: for me. Similarly, that when I when I look back retroactively, I I realize I'm like, yeah, my the way I experience sexual attraction has been there for as long as I've experienced some form of sexual or romantic attraction and um, as I said I identify as queer and for me the reason I identify that way is because my attraction is really not based on people's bodies at all and so I remember during my adolescence um, just sort of feeling confused because I would see people and I would think oh well they're attractive looking to me but that isn't sparking any kind of arousal or desire, but you know, I could sit down and have a conversation with someone and they would, you know, if they had, you know, some fascinating bit of knowledge or they happened to be witty or they made me laugh and laugh, all of a sudden I was like, wait a second, you're hot and I wanna kiss you, what does that mean? And I think because, um, you know, I'm in my 40s now, but growing up, even once I learned that there was diversity in sexual orientation, it was very much taught to me as, sexual orientation is about the person that you're with and sort of does not exist outside of relationships. And so, you know, despite my, my, my pledge in my teens that I was never ever getting married, I actually was getting married quite young to a cisgender man. And so once I was married and I was like, this is my person. Apparently, It was like, well, I guess I'm straight then, you know, here I am a cisgender woman married to a cisgender man. Like this seems to be what, what being straight is all about but I always sort of felt like that's not quite it but I guess it doesn't matter because I'm not in any other relationships whatever 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 and then it was only a few years ago when you know I suddenly realized I'm like you know what I'm constantly teaching people that sexual orientation and romantic orientation are about how you feel and about how you experience attraction, and that it's not this sort of transient aspect of your of who you are. It's, you know, it's it's just there. And I was like, well, yeah, just because I'm in this particular relationship for the foreseeable future, it doesn't negate that the way I experience attraction really doesn't have much to do with genitals or even just bodies. It's people. And so I'm like, I'm I'm not straight, I'm queer.
0: Yeah, I really, I really like that. And I I think it's really important to, you know, to think about the fact that like not only is sexuality so fluid and sexual orientation so fluid where you you can identify as one thing and then that can change, but also like we can gravitate towards a certain word and then find another word that we were like, oh, you know what, that fits a lot better. And I think that that sort of claiming of words is, is really awesome and sort of unique to the queer community. We do that a lot where we're just like, you know what? We don't have a word for that. Let's just make one. (laughs) But I found that like, like I have, you know, I identify as bisexual as I was saying. And for me, that means that I, you know, I'm attracted to people the same gender as me and different genders. And I have a friend who identifies as pansexual and they would probably, they would define it the same way, but for them, that word feels better, you know? And so I, I also find that that's sort of a really fascinating um, aspect of, of sexuality of just like that kind of claiming of words. Um, and the, and like I was saying, the, um, sort of fluidity of things. Yeah. But I, and I think too, what you were saying about just, uh, feeling like it's attached to who, who you're with. Uh, I think that happens a lot. And I know that I've fallen into that and my, my wife and I kind of joke about it a lot because we're like, oh no, we're like a straight couple. That's weird. <laughs> Flouncing around in like women's clothes. and like, You know, have my septum pierced and my undercut. And I'm like, they won't know I'm queer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How will they I identify know. myself to the tribe? <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh. But anyway, I'm curious how, you know, how early you think kids can have an idea that they aren't straight again, not necessarily knowing like I am this, but you know, just knowing that they're not, uh, not straight.
1: Uh, Super early, like super duper early, but I just don't think, and like same thing with like gender expression, but they're always encouraged in a certain way. Like, I don't, I'm sure everyone else experiences this, but whenever I see like a, a a baby, that's in pink and a baby that's in blue and people like, Oh my God, they're going to get married. Look at the little boyfriend and girlfriend. I'm like, they can't, they're, they're laying on a blanket. They're two infants like flailing on a blanket. Stop it. Please stop it. So yeah. um, I think kids know very early, but they either don't know what those feelings are because they have never been exposed to the idea that that's a possibility or, you know, uh a little boy grabs like a princess dress because he wants to wear it and everyone's like oh my god no put this put these overalls on and get under a tonka truck yeah i even had like a, an aunt who i was talking about like clothes and stuff with and she was like well you know you should dress girls and girls clothes and boys and boys clothes i'm like well what if they don't want to wear that and she's like but they should be in girls clothes. Like the idea that a child can have an opinion was just not even in her wheelhouse at all. I mean, I don't know if I can say it
2: better than put on some overalls and get under a Tonka truck, but <laughs> I think really, really early as well. I've not had kids come out and blatantly say that they were queer at a really young age, but I've definitely had students tell me things or like question, if I'm a boy, can I like this? Or if I'm a girl, can I do this? Or if when I get married, can I marry a girl? And like, there are inklings that either they're curious or it's something that they've really been thinking about for sure. And like you guys were talking about already, like so many of them don't know that that's an option. And so they don't figure it out until way later.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think that's why, you know, integrating those kinds of things, both through, you know, as a, like for me as a primary, as a caregiver, I, um, you know, I think about the recent like the books that i'm reading and and having you know representation in those kinds of things is really important and um and also obviously getting good education in schools as well i'm gonna just uh break the illusion lauren and i uh went to the same high school
1: we sure did
0: and uh so i don't know if you also had this experience with your health slash sex education but all they did was show us stds it was stds
1: it was stds as far as the eye also they did have a good how to prevent pregnancy one, but my health teacher would put on the video and go, now kids, this is for when you are married. But like, And she didn't mean it, but it was just some garbage she had to say. And she was like, here's a video about all the different ways that you can use birth control, which was great. But there was nothing about, like, gender or sexual identity.
0: We didn't even get that video. They brought someone in from Planned Parenthood to show us how to use a condom. And he just told us funny anecdotes the whole time and ran out of time. So we never learned.
2: Even still now, like trying to get sex ed curriculum into the schools, like as a health teacher, I have felt like I've run into so many roadblocks and people are like, nope, can't talk about gender, can't talk about sexuality. And I was like, well, doing it anyway. Sorry, not sorry.
0: Good for you, because it's like, like we were saying, it's just so many kids wouldn't know if they had the language. But anyway, Nadine, did you have anything to add to that as far as uh, how early kids can know that they're not straight?
3: Yeah, um and also just this, this brief exchange about about sex education. As a sex educator myself, my brain is exploding a little bit. There are like fireworks going off. I'm like, ah I wanna go back in time and so I mean, yeah, we we know from research that, you know, children as young as two, three um often have you know some understanding of gender some understanding of family structure um particularly as it pertains to themselves which makes sense because you know they're living in their own bodies and their own brains and it's not like we just suddenly sort of clue into the fact that we're like hey i have a gender and i have a sense of my own identity and i have a sense of like you know what kind of people i might like to build my life with and and you know share intimate experiences with you know and intimate experience is not meaning you know necessarily sex but just yeah that sort of intimate personal connection um it's something that develops over time and what I find interesting is that if we're talking about a kid who's cis or we're talking about a kid who you know openly winds up being straight and they are doing things like sort of um playing or expressing you know like if they're playing house and you know they play mom and dad nobody bats an eyelash and no one's like well I think they're really too young to know whether or not uh (laughs) traditional family structure or not and they're not like well I just I think that maybe you know they're too young to decide that just because they have a vagina they're actually a girl and in fact what we do culturally is we give kids so much context to understand things like gender or sexual orientation, if they happen to be straight, or if they happen to be sister, um, you know, it's in, you know, it's in their stories, it's in their media. Um, it's in the way that that we dress them and we talk to them. And, you know, like, you know, you think about, you know, a baby, like a baby who's just been born, you know, if you birth in the hospital, they have those reversible pink blue blankets and look at their genitals and they're like, okay, these are your genitals. This is the side of the blanket we're wrapping you in. It's the side that's visible to everybody else. And so right off the bat, we're we're teaching them that there are these cues related to these parts of your identity that will inform how other people talk to you and treat you. And so I think, you know, it's completely understandable that by the time they're, you know, very young, like even two or three, if the cues that they're being given are incongruous with what they're experiencing internally, again, as you know, Lauren and Nicole said, it's not necessarily that they're like, well, I as a three-year-old understand like the complexity of my own gender and sexual orientation, we do a discourse on it, we know that something is not it's, not, it's not lining up. Like I'm being told one thing and I'm being treated in a certain way and I'm being told that these words and this treatment are supposed to go along with this kind of identity. And that's not right.
0: That's why it really bothers me when people, you know, I've had multiple scenarios with the kids that I nanny where people will ask, is it a boy or a girl? And I won't tell them, I'll just say it's a baby. And people get so mad. And I'm like, why? Because if, if I'm a straight, you're a stranger, right? It's not like you're someone who's ever gonna interact with this child again. If you're asking that, it's because you're gonna treat them differently based on that. And that's weird to me.
3: Yeah, even gender reveals. I'm like, you're basically just celebrating like the baby genitals, which in the way is kind of creepy.
0: So weird. Well, that's what I say when people are asking me those questions. I'm like, if people are really belligerent about it, because in New York City, sometimes people would be uh, if I wouldn't tell them. And I would just be like, what you're really asking is what genitals this baby has? And that's wildly inappropriate. So prior to uh, this episode, I had gone on a couple of like queer parent groups and um, I had Sort of I was sort of curious, and I had asked people uh, if they were comfortable sharing when they sort of knew they weren't straight versus when they came out. And it was really, you know if they if they did come out or when they came to a realization that they were, you know, Definitely something, if that ever happens, because as we were ta- talking about, like everything is so fluid that not everyone has that moment where they're like, "I am definitely this forever." But anyway, it was really interesting to me because a lot of people like knew from a very young age or had an idea from a very young age, but didn't come out till you know they were much older. and most, again, broadly speaking, but about two hundred people answered, and that was sort of the the kind of pattern uh, that was happening. And so I'm curious, you know. Uh, how we can help make the kids in our lives feel comfortable to talk talk to us about about those things without sort of pressuring them you know because I think there's definitely on the other end of the spectrum where it's funny I when we were were recording the first part of this yesterday and there was one of the people was um, a father who uh, it was a two dad family and he was like I think our kid felt pressured to like that like we really wanted him to be gay because we're gay you know (laughs) like at one point he came out the kid came and was like I might not be gay are you going to be disappointed you know So, so it's funny how it's like sometimes it can and they weren't intentionally doing that obviously but it's funny how sometimes you can go on the on the other end of like you know the kids get afraid that you know if they're not queer then you're gonna be mad
1: (laughs) with my like the kids in my own family like i have a lot of cousins who all have kids i've been giving them books since the day they were born and i've slowly been slipping in like queer books for children into the books and no one's picked up on it yet I gave them, cop- like, when the Marlon Bundo book came out. Yes, I was like, everybody's getting a copy of that. <laughs> that's that's for sure. And stuff like that. I also, like, one of my cousin's kids is, like, 13. And she's, like, started to ask me, like, frank questions about, like, why do you bring two people to family gatherings? Like, what's, like, why, why do people talk about you in a certain way sometimes uh, in hushed voices? And I was like, I'll just talk to you, kid. I think the best way we can just... Dis- make sure that kids know that we're safe to talk to is by doing things like that. And also when it comes up in conversation, just being real chill about it. Like, Oh, like, Oh, like my friend said that she like, you know, she was ready to transition. Okay. You know, not, I never would have get like, no, that's bad. Don't do that. Just, just be cool. Just like treat everyone like a rational person. And they'll probably treat you like a rational person too.
0: Yeah, I think the energy of how we respond to things is so important. And like, even if you're feeling a certain way, you know, even if you are shocked that that person is transitioning, you know, just like, act real casual about it. And I think that that that's like one of the best ways to help normalize things. I just remember when when I had come out, and my, you know, basically my, my parents live in Texas and I live in Montreal. So I, I see them maybe once a year and I had been in college. So I had been traveling back and forth when I was still identifying as female. So all of their coworkers, all of her coworkers knew me because I, she worked at a hotel and I would just come hang out sometimes. And they, so they, a lot of times they'd be like, how's your daughter? How's your daughter? And my mom was like, I just, I don't know. I don't know how to tell them. And I'm like, just be like, oh, it's my son now. He's fine. Like, that's all you have to do. You don't have to give them a big dissertation and be like, do you know what transgender is? Let me tell you. Like, it's fine. Just be like, oh, he's my son now. And if they ask follow-up questions, just be like, yeah, that's it. When you make it a big deal, it becomes a big deal, you know?
2: I think, honestly, going back to that representation piece, making sure that kids see queer characters in media, see queer characters in books, and see people in their actual lives who are queer people. Like, I feel like the best way to make them feel comfortable and feel safe in their own skin is just to be unapologetically yourself around them. Being an out teacher was like the best thing that I feel like I could have ever done for my
0: students. It's it's funny because I don't like I've never had, <laughs> I don't mean it in the way that I've had people be like, I want to hire you because you're trans and I want my kid to be around a trans person. But there are people who were like, oh, that's actually like I, I always come out uh, during interviews for nannying jobs because one time I was fired when they found out it was a live in job. So I lost my place to live and my job. And I was like, this is never happening again. I'm just gonna let people be transphobic before they hire me. So you know, I just always come out during my interviews. And I've had a lot of people be like, you know, that's honestly like a bonus to me. Like, I want my kids to be around all different kinds of people. And, uh and I think that, you know, if you don't have, you know, different kinds of people in your in your life or in your community, um, you know, try and not like in a tokenistic way, I'd be like, I need a trans friend. But, um, you know, I think try and, and find those, you know, those kinds of resources and, and invite different kinds of people into your kids' lives. And if you can't, you know, if you are, like, I grew up in a very white community. And so, you know, sometimes that's the case, you're in a homogenous kind of community, but like, get, re- then that's when we, you know, use books as a second line of defense, right, of like, get diversity in their media and in things like that. I think that's super important.
3: So, I co-sign all of this. Yeah, these are all things that, you know, we've we've done in our own family and that I encourage other parents to do. Something else, and I actually learned this from my partner who's a mathematician. And I was like, "Why are you better at this than I am?" From the time our child was literally a week old, you know, I remember my partner would just kind of hold him and, you know, like have quote-unquote conversations with him, these one-sided conversations. And I remember one of the very first conversations he had with him was about love. And he said to him, you know, someday when you're older, you might meet, you know, a boy or a girl or someone else and you, you know, might fall in love with them and, you know, want to be with them and want to date them. And you might even want to like, you know, grow up and live with them. And it was so natural and organic for him to just sort of say, these are your options as opposed to making that assumption. And so that right off the bat was really inspiring to me. And it's something that as parents, we've always tried to do sort of just in the way that we talk about our our son and his potential future and protect and particularly the future that he might have. Um, as an adult and in terms of his relationships and not just, you know, boy or girl or non-binary person, but, you know, you may not choose to be in a relationship at all. That may not be something that you want for yourself. Um, you may or may not choose to have children and really trying to always present the future as optional and something that he can choose for himself. And we've talked that way about gender, you know, we've, you know, when he was younger, we would talk about the fact that we were like, well, you know, the doctor saw that you had these genitals. And so the doctor made a guess and guessed that this was your gender. And if you feel that that's right, then great. And if you feel that that's not right, you know, and you want to let us know, we can change that's fine, we'll just adapt. Um, but whoever you are is fine with us. And then the other thing we've really tried to do is expand that out into the way we talk, we speak about other people. We try to be really conscious, for example, when we're just, you know, referencing someone we see doing something on the street, you know, even if they're presenting in a way that's traditionally masculine or traditionally feminine, we try to be really conscious about, you know, using a gender neutral pronoun rather than a gender specific pronoun. So we're like, we don't know. We don't know what their deal is. You know, if we see two people together and we're like, they appear to be a straight couple, but we don't know, then we're like, those are two people. And, and I mean, yeah, like my, my son does often have questions because he's very curious. You know, he's like, well, do you think they're a boy or a girl? Like, do you think they're a man or a woman? Do you think they're married? And we'll be like, we don't know. And we can't guess. And we'll sort of ask, like, is it important for us to know that right now? And so, yeah, just sort of trying to foster an environment in our home and in our family where we're like, it's open, it's like there are options, there are choices, there are so many different ways, like infinite ways to express, to be in relationship, to not be in relationship. And hopefully, you know, as he grows up, he will feel that, you know, he can tell us what his choices and options are. Yeah. And that's like, you know, at this point, I'm like, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. And like, I hope you feel that from us. That's what we're trying to do. Um, but that's certainly what I want.
0: I think that what you said about, you know, the idea that you when you grow up, you might want this, right? Is that might or that if is so important, you know, being inclusive, obviously, of of asexuality and being aromantic and those kinds of things, meaning some people might not ever want to have sex. Some people might not ever want to be in a romantic relationship or uh, a mixture of those things. And I think that that's that's so important, not only um, to go the step of, well, one day you might marry a man or a woman, but, you know, being inclusive of if you decide to get married, period, if you decide to be in a relationship, period. And again, just saying person is a great word. It includes everyone. (laughs) You know, and I I think that it's it's really easy to make those kinds of changes. Um, Sometimes it might, you know, it takes practice just like anything else. I mean, I still slip up I mean I misgender myself sometimes and I have been living with my pronouns for like seven years like we all you know slip up on things but I think that you know it is they are kind of easy changes to make and I I also think what you were saying about when we're making when we're asking questions about when kids are asking questions about people and even sometimes when adults are asking questions about people asking that question back of is it important so I I feel like I hear a lot of stories you know kids will come out and the parents will be like well I always knew you were you know xyz do so you think you know you think it's helpful or harmful to make these kinds of assumptions about our kids or the kids in our lives
1: i don't assume that anyone is straight so i don't think you should assume anyone is gay too either you know even if you do have like an inkling about like this person might be not identifying as straight or not identifying as cisgender like you can keep it to yourself and let them come to the conclusion on their own like you can create a safe space like we discussed before to show that like you know there's no judgment and there's no prejudice there but like they need to come to that on their own you can't like pressure them and like uh, like to say like oh i always knew like okay like that's not i don't know it it bothers me because it's like the same thing as like oh i always knew you were straight like well maybe they're not like maybe they're they say that they're one label now and then they'll change that label later as like they learn more about themselves you should not assign labels to other people in your life is my a big is my big old big old take on that don't tell people how they should feel or assume how they should feel let them let other people define themselves for you
0: a lot of those assumptions that way or the the quote unquote, like clues are really are gender based, right? Like you'll hear like, oh, like a little boy who's wearing a dress, so he must be gay. I'm like, that's about your gender expression. It has nothing to do with your sexuality, right? And I I just, uh, I think about when I was trying to explain this to my my grandmother, when I, you know, had come out as trans and she was sort of trying to like wrap her head around it because I'm a very feminine man. I still wear, you know, quote unquote, women's clothes. I wear dresses. I wear a lot of floral, love floral, paint my nails, things like that, do things that are traditionally associated with, you know, femininity. And she was like, but I don't understand how you can be a man and doing feminine things. And I was like, okay, well, if grandpa put on a dress, would he still be a man? She was like, well, yeah. I was like, yeah there you go like it doesn't change your gender you know it's like that's it so I think it's interesting how a lot of the assumptions that people make about sexuality have to do really with gender
2: you guys kind of took all the words out of my mouth already (laughs) basically all the things that I was gonna say super annoying when people do that though like even if you do quote-unquote think you know that your kid is queer in some way like keep it to yourself let them figure that out that's their journey that's not your journey
3: and I think even once they come out to you you don't ever have to be like yeah I knew it all along I don't think that it ever feels good for someone to essentially say to you I know you better than you know yourself I'm like what, like, so what are you like I told you telling me you know it, it's like you know when you've been you know if you've been dating someone and you break up and then your friends are like, well, I knew that person was terrible for you all along. I'm like, great. So you won? Really, like, what? It's, I just, I don't find that that's, that's helpful. And, and as you all pointed out, and maybe the thing that you thought you knew was not the thing that you knew. So I think you can just be supportive and say, you know, thank you so much for telling me. And, you know, I love you. I'm here for you. You know, this is great. I'm so happy that, you know you've you know, you have discovered this about yourself or, and I'm so happy that you felt you could trust me with it and just like, keep it moving.
0: Yeah. And sort of going, going right off of that, you know, if a child in your life has ever come out to you, you know, I'm curious, like how they did it and how you responded. And if, if it hasn't happened, you know, how, or what are some ways that we could respond? It doesn't have to be like a verbatim thing, but you know, just like being supportive or whatever.
1: So I'm going to tell a story, uh, and it's probably going to make everybody here very angry. Um, but I think it's very important to talk about, because of like current education. Like we're all teachers. We all, we all see this. I had a student last year and I've had these students for four years. Um, they're students that I've been privately tutoring pretty much since they got to high school. And one of them was uh, in an LGBT club in school, but she was identifying as straight publicly. And when her, when it came time to do her college essays, her mom told me, that she had told her privately that she did not identify as straight and wouldn't that be a good thing to do about her, her college essay about. Oh, you guys. I was like, there was a smile frozen on my face and it was just like bombs going off inside my head as I tried to convey to this parent that this was not acceptable. This was not okay. And then a few weeks later, the student herself like felt comfortable talking with me about it. So I guess the mom told her that she had told me so like, but it was so inappropriate in every way, shape and form that the way that that student came out to me was because her mom came out to me for her. But most, most of what I was doing for the rest of the time was her mom would be like, and then you can put in that stuff. And she would be like, well, I don't know. And I'd be like, we should definitely not put that in. We should definitely not put that in the essay because Like she had to feel safe and her mom was not making her feel safe in any way, shape and form. And I told you that story so I could tell you that so I could say this. The best way to when a kid comes out is just to make them feel safe. Like if they are being super casual about it, like you should also be super casual about it. Like if they're being casual for you to like be like, I'm so like, you know, to do like a big overwrought thing. I don't think that's appropriate because they're not making a big deal about it. If the kid is like, I need to sit you down, I need to talk to you about this, then do make a big deal about it because it's a big deal to them. Let them kind of guide the conversation. Make them feel safe. And please don't tell other people about like other people's sexual orientation. It is not appropriate.
2: When I saw that you wrote this question, I had to text one of my former students and ask if I could share his coming out story because it's my absolute favorite. I've had other students come out to me and it's just been like, a normal conversation but this one is my favorite because it was my first coming out story from a student and it was also my first time ever coming out to a student so this student and i are really close even still today and he came to me and was like i need to ask you a question like, okay what's up yes do you know any gay people i was like yes like, Where are you going <laughs> of course i do he's like are they weird i was like are you people weird? Like, yeah, everybody's weird. And he was like, well, I think I might be one. And I was like, one. And I was just confused. He's like, I think I might be gay. And I was like, me too. <laughs> and we just like <laughs> had this very sweet, funny conversation about that. And like have been super close ever since. And I think I'd like to echo what Lauren said, like, just be cool about it. You don't need to make it a big spectacle. You can just be like Okay, awesome. I'm here for you. Do you need any help? Do, if you ever need to talk, like come talk to me, come see me in my office. If you're ever having trouble, like just make sure that they know they're safe with you. Like that's the biggest thing. I also like to let them all know, like, hey, I'm proud of you. Thank you for sharing this with me. I know this was like a big deal.
3: Unfortunately, um, most of the kids coming out to me stories, you know, happened in a professional context. So I'm not at liberty any of them. What I would like to share is just some advice um, for folks and particularly I'm talking mainly to folks who may be parents or raising kids in some capacity who have their kids come out to them because I think the advice that Lauren and Nicole gave, gave to like sort of be cool and you know try as much as possible to sort of mirror or echo what you're getting from the kid is great advice but I can say that it's something I've observed professionally, but it's also something I've experienced myself personally, is that sometimes when you have such a deep emotional investment in someone as you often do with with a child or a teenager that you're raising, particularly if they tell you something that comes as a shock to you, you don't always feel in that moment like you're able to react the way you would like to react um, in ideal circumstances. And so what I would say to folks like that, you know, um, I think it's great because like, you know, you know, we're, you know, we're talking here as a group of like educators, as a group of people who are very comfortable with queer culture for like most of us, we are queer. Um, And that kind of gives you like a very kind of easy in for this particular conversation when you're like, hey, me too, high five. woo! But if that's not your situation, there are just a couple things I'd advise people to keep in mind is number one, the priority is the love and care and well-being of your child. That's priority number one. And oftentimes, particularly if your child has come up to you as their parent or parent figure, if they have anxiety around that, oftentimes that anxiety is, are you still going to love me? Are you still going to be here for me? And so no matter what else may be happening in your brain, if you can sort of just keep in your head, they need to know that I love them if you say nothing else in that conversation to say, I love you and I will always love you, the rest of it we can figure out. And that may all, that may be all you can manage in that moment. But like, please, please, please just reassure them that you love them, that you're there for them. And if you find that you are having your own sort of ambivalent reactions and emotions and you're like, I wish I wasn't feeling this way, but I am, um, that's when you can start seeking out resources like, um, you know, a plea flag or here in Canada, we have a gal Canada, like there are lots of resources. And I think it's our responsibility as parents to kind of deal with our stuff so that we can support our kids. And so if you have stuff, don't spend a lot of time and energy, like beating yourself up or being like, I'm a terrible person, or I need to feel differently. Find someone to process them, find resources to help you process those feelings. So you can go back to your kid and then, Really be present with them and pay attention to them and pay attention to what is it that they, what is it that they need from me? How can I support them? How can I, you know, let them take the lead in this journey, but still really be here as the person who fully accepts, loves, and supports them? Because that full and total acceptance is the thing that's really for a lot of kids going to make the difference between their lives being wonderful and full and complete and joyful versus, you know, full filled with like anxiety and fear and not feeling connected to you and not feeling connected to their communities. So yeah, that's what I would say is that whatever your feelings are, those are your feelings. Um, And if they're not great feelings, and if they're getting in the way, then yeah, deal with them, find support and, and get help with that stuff. So you can be there for your kid.
0: Yeah, I think the finding support is really important. And there's lots lots of good Facebook groups. There's, you know, if you can't find like, or, you know, just aren't interested in like, there are also, you know, obviously face-to-face support groups, but there's a lot of really good support on Facebook that's easy to access. And uh, I think that that's really important, right, to not treat your kid like your therapist and to not process that with your kid. I think, especially when when we're talking about like adult children coming out, that happens a lot a lot of times. And again, I feel like the the, uh, theme of this episode you don't need to say everything that's in your head, <laughs> but uh, you know I think like right there's I think there's a line between you know being vulnerable with your kids and honest about how you're feeling and putting stuff on them. So I think that's you know finding finding support for yourself is really important. And also we were talking about this in the part one recording, but if you did you know say something when they you know when they came out to you or reacted in a way that in retrospect you're like oh gosh I shouldn't have done that said that whatever you can like go back and apologize. That's you know, a really beautiful vul- vulnerability and a really awesome way for your kid to know, like, hey, I probably shouldn't have said that thing. My, I know my, my mom, when I first came out to her, I was uh, dating my now wife, then girlfriend. And my mom was like, why can't you just be a lesbian? And then she, she read, I had recommended to her, I had read it first and then recommended to her um, Trans 101 by Nick Tate, which is a really wonderful book. And it just breaks everything down in a way that doesn't make you feel stupid, but like is just really well explained. After she read that book, you know, several months later, she called me back and was like, I realize now why I shouldn't have told you to just be a lesbian. I was like, well, I'm glad that you figured that out, you know, and I appreciated that. So I think that that kind of vulnerability is really important. Hey folks, thanks for joining us for another episode of Bradchild Podcast. Um, Just one quick announcement today, and that is that, as I mentioned last week, we are officially one year old, woohoo! So thank you again for all your support in this first year. It's just been really, really amazing to see. To thank you for your support during this first year, we want to do something special, so we're doing a Care Package giveaway. So the randomly selected winner uh, is going to receive a children's book of their choice from several that we have. great books that we really love, a rad coloring book of which there are only two left, we did a limited printing, so you're getting one of the last ones, a large button of your choice, and a sticker set and we're gonna ship that anywhere in the world so feel free to enter. So there are a couple of different ways you can enter in the drawing. Number one, you can rate and review us on Facebook and put a screenshot in the comments of that Facebook post about the drawing which we'll link below in the show notes. Number two, you can rate and review us on Apple podcasts and put a screenshot in the comments of the uh, Facebook post. And lastly, number three, all you have to do is just share a post uh, anywhere on social media. So that can be Facebook, a Facebook group, Twitter, Instagram, uh, wherever about what you like about the podcast. Just share the podcast with other people um, and tag at Bradchild Podcast. And that's it. Uh, The drawing is going to be open until September 1st. I'm just letting you know your chances are pretty good. We haven't had that many people enter yet. So go ahead and enter. Our next announcement is just a reminder about our lovely partner, A Kids Book About, and our discount code that you can use if you buy any of their books, and that is RADCHILD. So if you go to www.akidsbookabout.com, you can look at all of their awesome books, and you can get $5 off if you use the code RADCHILD. I actually personally just made an order for about four or five of them, and I'm really excited uh, to get my hands on them. So definitely check them out. They're coming out with new books all the time. Uh, So definitely take a look. Last but not least, before I tell you all the things you already know, uh, we have some exciting guest opportunities in the next couple of months. We are covering the topics of adoption, foster care, intersectionality, differences, Divorce, uh, additions to families, so things like a new child, uh, step-parent, step-siblings, all kinds of things like that. And lastly, the topic of passions, sharing our passions with our kids. So the sort of genesis of this was I was thinking about, I play Dungeons and Dragons, that's something I love, and one of the sets of kids that I babysit for, I've uh, also love Dungeons and Dragons and I play that with them and that's something that their parents shared with them, that they love that they shared with them. So it doesn't have to be something nerdy, um, can be certainly, uh, but any kind of um, thing that you're passionate about that you uh, share or want to share with the children in your life. So it could be anything from comics to science to sewing to baking, really anything. Uh, we're open to interpretation for that one. So. Definitely, if you're interested in that, you can go to www.bradchildpodcast.com under the contact us section. There is a section to a link to apply to be a guest. So definitely go ahead and do that if you're interested. We're always, always looking for new guests. Now for all the stuff you already know, (laughs) you can follow us at Radchild Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can contact us, uh, by emailing radchildpodcast at gmail.com or by going to www.radchildpodcast.com under the contact us section. You can also find on our website our awesome merch that we have. We have buttons, stickers, uh, postcards, all sorts of cool things. And you can find that if you go on etsy.com uh, and search Radchild podcast as well. And lastly, if you would like to join the ranks of Emma, Kai, Alex, and Sarah, who are all our, some of our lovely patrons, you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash Podcast. And basically, Patreon is a website that allows you to give, um, give us a monthly donation. Those donations can start from as low as $1 uh, up to as much as you can imagine. Um, so uh, yeah, definitely check that out. You can get some really cool rewards if you donate like loopers, like care packages, children's books, um, personalized children's book recommendations for the kids in your life, all sorts of really cool things. So definitely check that out. We really, really um, appreciate it. We, uh, you know, I I definitely don't, (laughs) don't do this for money. Uh, It would not be a smart business plan. I do this because I love it, but it definitely helps to be able to cover some of my costs. Uh, So if you enjoy the show and you're able to do that, I I greatly appreciate it. And of course, uh, if you're not able to donate financially, you can really support us by just sharing the podcast, spreading the word. The listenership is also really important. And I think, you know, the work that we're doing here, I think is really important. And um, I hope you think it's important too and want to share it with other people. So without further ado you've heard enough from me so I'm going to hand it over to Rebecca and Crystal
2: do you wish more picture books truly reflected your family's values have you ever thought you found the perfect book but when you got it home it completely missed the mark Shift Book Box is a picture book subscription service for kids ages three to eight built around themes of social justice and centering diverse characters and creators. Each box features two beautiful picture books
3: as well as expertly crafted discussion guides. We know that families want to engage kids in conversations about social justice topics and we recognize how challenging it can be to find the right books and to feel supported in having these conversations. We find the books, we bring provide the prompts. You get both delivered to your door. Subscribe today at shiftbookbox.com and use the code RADCHILD,
2: Rad all one word, RADCHILD, Rad for 10% off your first order. Shift Book Box, curating little libraries, cultivating big change.
0: I'm also sort of interested in, usually I try to stick to the positive of like, what are some things we can do? But I'm also curious if there are some big no-nos when it comes to how to react uh, as far as kids coming out, things that we you know should stay away from doing the one that comes to mind is you know like saying it's just a phase things like that
1: oh yeah for sure uh like when my mom and i accidentally came out as queer to her i was dating two male presenting people at the time and she angrily asked me if i was a lesbian and then i said no i'm bisexual and then she got quiet for about 10 minutes and we were on the train and i couldn't get away and then she was like she was like you know you have a lot going on and i just don't want to hear about any of it what a terrible, (laughs) what a terrible thing to say to like your own child. And I was an adult and I kind of expected this from my mom. So I was able to like laugh it off, but that's not appropriate in any way, shape or form. Don't tell, like, even if you're shocked by it or whatever, don't act shocked. Just act like it's fine. Like, um, I think Nadine, you were saying before, you need to tell them that you love them. Like that is the key don't say it's a phase. Don't say like, well, you're confused. Well, you've never had like a boyfriend. So maybe you just don't know, blah, 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 blah. Don't do that stuff. Do not diminish that child's experience of themselves. Don't tell them that they're not feeling what they say they're feeling. Don't tell them that they're confused. For sure, don't tell them that this is now going to affect your perception of them in any way, shape, or form. Because that's what they've been afraid of the whole time. Love and support that and and calm. That is those are the three keys to to responding in my in my humble opinion.
2: I think one that we don't think of too often is just like when people ignore it all together and act like it never happened. Like I know that when my brother in law came out, he went in and told my mother in law and she- they're super homophobic and they had always said things that had made him feel uncomfortable and he finally got up the courage and he went in and he told his mom and she just said oh and then went back to watching her fox news (laughs) and so he was like well like he has a whole Facebook post written about it that he goes back to and like shows her like hey do you remember when you did this? She's like I never did that
0: oh my gosh I, I had a friend who came out and told her parents that she was a lesbian and they literally looked her in the eye and just said no and walked away they were like they were like you're not and then they just left and she was like what? okay
3: no that's not how that works something else I would say not to do is don't start spiraling and making all sorts of assumptions and projections about what your uh your child or your teen's future is going to look like now that you have this new information so don't start spiraling and be like oh like they're never gonna get married they're never gonna have kids or conversing you like oh they will get married and they will have kids they'll just have this like sort of hetero appearing relationship with you know the gender of their partner swapped or what like don't you don't have to get into any of that you don't we don't know what the future holds it's very likely that your child doesn't know what their future holds you know you can just sort of take it day by day the way that you know you were doing up until now but yeah like this present information is about them it's not about you you can't just sort of yeah extrapolate from that and be like okay Well, then this is the rest of their lives. I know exactly what's going to happen and I am devastated or I am thrilled or I am sort of making adjustments in my head so that they can follow this particular trajectory that I decided I want them to follow. Yeah, kind of like let it play out and see what happens. Yeah,
0: I absolutely agree with that. I, I remember my partner is a cisgender woman. So we, we both and I have not had a hysterectomy, right? We both have uteruses. And my mother, when I came out to her, was like, but I'm never going to have grandkids now. And my wife and I looked at each other. We're like, there are two uteruses in the mix. Like, (laughs) how does that, like that logic of her logic of like, I'm like, so if it doesn't come from me, is it not valid? Like, well, this is weird. This is a weird thing you said. This is something you should have processed
1: on your own and not told me. Just going off exactly what you two were saying. Just don't make it about you because it's not about you. Don't be like, don't use lots of I statements. I feel this. I feel that. It's not about you in any way, shape or form. And your feelings like- And your confusion or your whatever does not matter as much as that kid does in that moment.
0: Well, again, it's like, it's not like... You know, it absolutely like you should be focusing on your kid and like your feelings matter. Just process them somewhere else. That is not the moment to be like, oh, that's, you know, it's all about me and it's so hard on me. Like, I, when people tell me that my transition is hard for them, I'm just like, really? It's hard for you? (laughs) Um, But anyway, you know, another thing that I was thinking about, Nadine, as you were talking, is something that personally I mean to hear about a lot and happen to me is like, what did I do? To make you this way, you did nothing. Don't don't say that. I my my grandmother did the whole like asked if I had been molested, and that was why I was trans. I was like, no, 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 no. So don't. It's it's not a thing that happens because of something. And uh, again, that's something to process with someone else.
3: And in fact, if your kid is coming to you and telling you these things, then take that as a win. Your kid is coming to you and telling you something really important about themselves. That means they trust you. So what you've done, possibly, is been an approachable, trustworthy adult um, so, yeah, you don't have to get into the self-flagellation of like, oh, no, I did something wrong and I ruined you. No, you didn't. They came to you and told you something super personal. Yeah, tr- take it from, again, somebody who's like newly parenting a teenager. Like, if your kid is telling you a thing, that's amazing.
0: And it's also like that; it can really break that trust if you don't take that seriously, or if you, you know, react in that, you know, in a kind of negative way. And again, like not to say that you can't react in a way and then go back and say, "I'm sorry, I shouldn't have reacted that way," you know. But it can really, uh, it can it can really make your kids not want to come to you and talk to you about things if you don't take them seriously, you know. So I'm sort of curious about how we can help normalize, you know. Sort of things like asexuality, demisexuality, pansexuality, sort of ones that we maybe don't talk about as much. And I'm just going to quickly define those for folks who might know. Asexuality is kind of a a big one because it can, it sort of has, it's sort of an umbrella term that can mean a lot of different things. But um, I'm going to just define it as, you know, someone who, you know, might not have interested in having sex or in having sex, uh, certain kinds of sex. Demisexuality, meaning typically that you need to sort of have an emotional connection with someone before you're, you know, sexually interested in them. And then and pansexuality um, again. Can, these words can be defined a lot of different ways, but it's sort of meaning that a person's gender uh, or isn't isn't important to uh, as far as being attracted to them. And if anyone has anything to add to those definitions, you totally can. But I guess so. How can we help normalize uh, and talk about you know those kinds of things that maybe we don't talk about as much?
1: Make sure the kids know the words and know what they mean. There's lots of books. Like I was talking before about. There's a ton of queer children's lit that's being written right now Mm -hmm. and kids should have those books in their hands there are tv shows that show different types of relationships the kids should be exposed to that and there should honestly be like a ton more of it (laughs) we should only make queer shows until we have the same number of queer (laughs) shows as as straight shows (laughs) TVH. yeah just make like get the visibility out there visibility is so so important and it goes so far towards like normalization, which is what is ultimately going to make kids feel comfortable in their own skin if, is if they feel normal.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: I will second just education and representation. Like if you don't know it exists, it's never going to be normalized. And how are we going to know it
3: exists if people aren't being educated on it and people are not showing like, hey, this is a real thing. So it, it's interesting that we're talking about normalization. I, I fully understand what we mean when we use that word. Normal and its derivatives are words that in my sex education practice, I'm trying as much as possible to like all but eliminate because one of my underlying philosophies of sex education is I'm like, when it comes to sexuality, normal is completely irrelevant and does not actually exist. And so, uh, you know, I'll talk about things being common or things being experienced. But what I will often say to people is I'm like, there is no sexual act or sexual experience that is entirely universal to the human experience. And there is no sexual act or feeling or experience that is entirely unique. So like you're definitely not the only one and everyone is not doing anything. And so, yeah, while I a hundred percent agree that, yeah, we need to have more representation of, you know, these types of sexual or lack of sexual feelings and experiences and hell yes to, you know, all queer shows until they are (laughs) so on board with this initiative. More broadly, I think it's also really, I think it's really helpful to sort of challenge that sort of human tendency to be like, am I doing what everybody else is doing? Is this okay? Is this a real thing? And start asking different questions. Like, is this what you want to be doing? Does this feel good for you? if another person is involved, does this feel good for them? Like, are you safe? Are you well? How, like, how is this serving you? And how is this showing up in your life? And does this bring you pleasure? Does this bring you a a sense of fulfillment? Does this bring you closer to your, like, your intrinsic humanity? Is this something that you want? And those, I think, are sort of the important things to explore. And I think we can 100% and should 100% be exploring those things around not only, how are you having sex and who are you having sex with? But do you want to be having sex? If you do want to be having sex, what kind of sex do you want to be having under what circumstances? And is that working for you? And if the answer is yes, then hell yes. It's, then it's okay. Then it's good and it's right for you. And it doesn't matter if there are a billion people on earth who are like you or if there are like 12.
0: Yeah, I love that.
2: I would agree even like in my sex ed classes, I don't even like to use the word straight. Because when we think of like the converse of street, we think of like bent or crooked or like something that is different. So it normalizes things like this is the one way we should be doing it versus all of these other experiences.
0: So this is kind of a big question, but you you can only pick one. I'm sorry. But, you know, if you could sort of dismantle one one myth about sexual orientation, what, what would it be?
1: that bisexuals need to pick a side i'm done i'm done with that man Uh... if you just
0: need the right man lauren it will be
1: (laughs) fine and like it's it's not great and the word like so being poly on top of that my family is just like i don't i don't (laughs) are all bisexuals greedy like is that is that not it's not it's not um and i will not pick a side so there (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be myself for forever, and there's nothing anyone can do about it.
0: I also think, like, you know, I'm going to use the word normalize again, but I, in, in lieu of another word, but I also really like the idea of normalizing polyamory, which, like, I, I didn't know was a thing until I was in my mid 20s and had a roommate who was polyamorous. And I was like, this makes so much sense. Like, like, I like the idea that like, they, the way they explained it to me, they were like, listen, like, I don't feel like I can expect one partner to be everything that I want, right. So I have, you know, part, you know, there might be this partner who does this thing in bed that I like that my you know primary partner doesn't do there might be, you know, my partner who is sort of you know who does this thing or has this quality that I that I like and so I really appreciated that in in terms of like not putting so much pressure and you can also do this with platonic relationships right like I you know there are certain things right that are triggering for my wife so I don't talk to my wife about those things I talk to my best friend about those things and and I but I love that idea and it's just like I feel like honestly it you know it you know when done right uh, you know just like a you know, monogamous relationship can be super healthy. And like, it's just a super great, I think, thing to make kids aware that is a thing that exists.
1: I'm not. Okay. So this is a fun story. I'm not permitted to bring one of my partners to one of my cousin's house because quote unquote, what are we going to explain to them about when it's not the person you're married to? And I'm like, it's not, okay. I don't, I don't know, man. Have a conversation with your fucking kid. They'll probably be fine with it. <laughs> like <laughs> kids are like sponges when they're eight. If you just be like, oh, that's Lauren's boyfriend. They'll go, okay. And like go back to playing with blocks because that's yep. what kids do, but, you know, that, it ties back into everything. I think just talk to kids.
0: And again, it's about them and their discomfort. It's about, well, I don't want to talk to my kid about it. So you can't do it.
1: And and that is so much of what we are talking about today. Like, it's, it's not about the child. It's about, oh, uh, how do I feel? And you know what? Your feelings, you can process them on your own. You should be there for your kids.
3: <laughs> so I am I am a Black woman. And throughout my life, I have had people say to me or try to, or yeah, try to sort of dispute racism by saying like, but you know, she can't help that she's Black or explain away misogyny. Being like she can't help that she's a woman. It's not a choice. And there is something inherent in that framing that says like yeah there's that's a flaw but don't penalize her for it because it's not her fault Where like true being a black woman in a white supremacist patriarchal society is struggles but let me tell you i'm like if i had the choice i would choose to be a black queer woman every time every time because it's Awesome. There Um, we
2: go, Nadine. You got it figured out.
3: So yeah, I love the idea of challenging the idea that like being, because it's like being this terrible thing is not a choice, but maybe for some people it is, and maybe they chose it because it's an amazing choice. And it's an amazing life, you know, despite all of the BS that other people will put you through because ultimately it's not about you. That's about them and their problem. So yay. I love that one. So my, the myth that I would love to see die immediately is that if somebody has a particular sexual orientation, that that is a rigid category and that there are no exceptions ever. And so if they, you know, have a relationship or experience attraction that doesn't fit into this like narrowly defined box, then they're no longer that thing, you know? So for example, like I've, I've had friends who are lesbians who at some point, you know, dated a dude, like dated a cis dude and people want to be like, well, then you're not really a lesbian. I'm like, yes, they are. If they say they are and they feel that that is, you know, an accurate way of describing their sexual orientation, you know, like people, people are not math. And again, marriage politician, like all the, the world, math, but I'm like, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. We're we're fluid and we're messy, and sometimes there are exceptions, and you know, and like sometimes there is that one person who maybe you know doesn't fit into whatever sexual orientation you know you are, as most people understand it. And like, and it's and I'm like, it's fine, just let them define themselves you're probably not having sex with them. And even if you are, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like let people define their sexuality the way they want to define it.
0: Yeah, I think it totally goes back to like not labeling people and letting people, you know, choose their own words for themselves. And I, um, it just makes me think about a a friend of mine who identifies as a lesbian and is with a non-binary person. And, you know, that their partner, you know, as long as that label doesn't, you know, that's a conversation between them, as long as their partner doesn't feel invalidated by that label. You know, it's like like great, you could be a lesbian and dating a non-binary person. That's the word that you like. That's that's fine. That's none of my business, you know. And like you said, like I'm not sleeping with you. It doesn't. It doesn't matter to me. Um. So as we're sort of wrapping up, I'm curious. I know we've mentioned a couple of things, but if you have any resources, uh, it could be for kids, adults, it could be TV shows, websites, books, whatever.
1: My friend actually works for a library, and like part of her job is like putting together queer book lists and stuff. And that's pretty fun. You can call. You can. You can. If you live in a chill area, you can call up your library and be like, "Hi, I want a list." of all these things and they'll be like okay we'd love to help you here's all the ones that are in our library here's like interlibrary loans and uh, as they get older there's tons of queer comic books that they can take advantage of lots and lots of great shows that are coming out made by queer content creators like she-ra and steven universe that like those come to mind right away and those are like you can kids will get that you can just let them watch that and they will absorb it. Like I said before, kids are like little sponges.
0: Steven Universe is also great because it, they're essentially he's being raised, you know, in a polyamorous family model where he has like three moms, essentially, and a dad and a dad
1: who's not in a relationship with any of his moms.
0: It also um, deals with a lot of like mental health things like anxiety, like it's just all, all sorts of different different things it's really a wonderful show i can't recommend it enough my and also like adults if you're an adult who like enjoys cartoons there it's so good my wife and i just like watched it on our own
2: for me glisten is like one of my favorite organizations just as an educator in general and i also love trevor project and p flag I definitely give a lot of my students the information for those organizations, especially those kids who've come out to me, just so that they have it at their fingertips and can use it if they need it.
3: One thing I'm going to hype because I just finished binging it and it's so good and it's so amazing is uh, for folks who have Netflix, uh, the new The Babysitter's Club. I've heard good things. I heard there's trans representation that's done well. I'm
0: really excited.
3: We were a fan of, of the books growing up, which I was. Um, this is an updated version that is very faithful to the spirit of the original series, updated in all the best ways. So yeah, we've got like trans representation and we've got like same gender families and blended families and like much more diversity than in the original series. It's so, so, so good. Um, and that's something, I mean, I just watched it on my own and like wept, but yeah, I mean, a hundred percent, it's something you can watch with your, like, with your school age kids like with your tweens it's fabulous one of my favorite books that is just a great general sex ed book but again just like so queer inclusive and inclusive of different identities is cory silverberg's sex is a funny word it's just this vivid beautiful wonderful book that you know he he really understands how to how to you know talk to kids and address kids in a way that makes them feel you know respected and heard and and I love it um and then I'm gonna hype uh, a project that I've been part of it's a web series called Everybody Curious and I co-host it with another sex educator and we now have 16 episodes um and we have one episode specifically about sexual orientation one episode about gender and then another separate episode about gender expression where we have an amazing fashion show. Ooh. Yeah. And you can find those episodes at everybodycurious.com. We also have chapters of PFLAG in Canada. So that would be PFLAG.ca. We have another organization. I mean, we have several, we have another organization called EGAL Canada. Um, EGAL being the French word for equals. So that's E G A L E. .ca.
0: A friend of mine actually just came out with a really amazing book called The Everybody Book. Her name is Rachel Simon. And it's, it's basically like the you know it it goes it covers everything from gender to sexuality to so sexual intercourse to bodies to I mean it is fabulous and it has things like there is a pregnant trans man depicted in the book there are you know just like all sorts of bodies and people and it's just like really really fabulous it's it's like the sex ed book I have been waiting for we we recently did um an episode on on sex and it was like squee so every other episode we talk about specifically my co-host and I Rebecca will talk about our favorite books about topics and it was like scraping the bottom of the barrel trying to find good books about sex and I was like I'm so excited that this book exists
3: I have it on pre-order I think it's being released here in Canada next month and I'm so excited to get my hands on
0: it yeah it's really she sent me the review copy and it's like fun it's phenomenal so I'm excited that books like this are starting to exist <laughs> and shout out to the publisher Jessica Kingsley they make some awesome they make a lot of just books about like about queer stuff about disability about like all all different kinds of things they're just like really phenomenal if this this is just a time if any of you have any kind of personal projects or websites or anything to plug you can do so now
1: uh i'm working on a show that will be coming out i don't know next couple months it's called fandom it's spelled f-a-n-d-u-m-b and it's about the good and the bad and the sometimes very ugly side of fandoms online.
0: Is this going to be like a like a physical like performance show or like online or
1: It's a podcast. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to work on.
0: <laughs> okay, well, I'll be looking out for it. I'm very excited about that.
1: <laughs> I don't really have
2: anything at this point. I had a podcast going with some of my students that was about diversity and about them telling adults what they wanted them to understand about diversity, but I just switched schools, so <laughs> my podcast is not anymore.
0: Is it still does it still exist if we wanted to find old episodes of it?
2: We were just like in the process. We we're going to submit to the NPR podcast competition. And so hopefully somebody takes it over. I can start it at my new school. We'll see.
3: So I have an ebook coming out on August 1st. It's called Let's talk and it is a comprehensive guide for parents and caring adults who want to have like really great in-depth talks with their kids and teens about various aspects of sexuality including gender and orientation and the book is divided into sort of developmental phases of childhood and adolescence so we go from pre- right up to teens and there's like over a hundred conversation prompts you can use and then just guidance on what to do once you know you ask your kid a question and then you have to have the subsequent conversation so that'll be available August 1st and then uh in the fall I'm going to be launching my first multi-week course and uh in the course we're going to be dealing with some of the um sex education road bumps so for example it'll be like what do you do when you've, you know, had those first conversations with your kid about consent and they've really now grasped the concept that, you know, they're the boss of their own bodies and then they turn around and tell you, well, now I don't have to have a bath and I don't have to go to school because I'm the boss of my own body. Well, so what's, the, what's that next conversation look like? Um, so re- Uh, into a bunch of those issues um so yeah if folks want to you know get a handle of the ebook and find out when the course is launching the best way to do that is to go to my website which is nadinethornhill.com and they can sign up for my email list and then they will be the first to know about all the things
0: that's awesome the the boss of my own body thing just made me think of I love when kids like kids love to find loopholes for things and one of the kids that I was nannying really had a hard time eating he did not like eating lunch and you know I said come on we have to eat lunch and he goes but I did that yesterday (laughs) well you're not wrong you did do it yesterday but it's like kind of a repetitive we got to keep doing it thing so the the last thing is just if you want to be found on the internet uh, if you have any social media or things like that where can people find
1: you I don't have a Twitter and I don't want anyone to be using Facebook right now. So don't look, don't look for me there, but eventually my podcast will have a presence and then I'll plug that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. I'll pass on being found.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I'm all over the internet. So if uh, folks are looking specifically for, uh, you know, lots of sex ed, advice whether you're a parent or a teacher uh you can go to my youtube channel which is nadine thornhill if you are looking for sort of more quick bites that is also sex ed related you can go to my instagram which is at nadine thornhill if you just want to hear me being like or witness me being snarky on the internet uh, that's my Twitter, which is also at Nadine Thornhill. And then if all else fails, go to my website, nadinethornhill.com I'm not creative with names, so But like
0: how lucky are you that you have a name that you can just like are you the only Nadine Thornhill? Yeah, you can just Google Nadine Thornhill and
3: you'll find me in all the
0: places. I'm so jealous. Do you know how many Seth days there are? Like too many. <laughs> oh my gosh and I never I, I I should have thought about this when I picked my name I should have picked some kind of ridiculous unique name because I when my original my birth name was also a name that like 10,000 people had and I was just like come on man all right well at any rate have a great rest of your day and thank you so much for taking the time out to do this I really appreciate it and remember stay rad Dragons. Canada. The Multiverse Theory. Corgis. Queer representation. Reconciliation. Angels. Demons. Squirrels. Planned. Moose. Moose and Squirrels. Sorcerers. Dinosaurs. Barbarians. Forests. Giants. Rogues. Warlocks. Plains. Sewers.
1: Lavender.
0: Natural Toonie, a Canadian Dungeons and Dragons podcast,
1: right here on the Upford Network. I'm Teffer. I'm Caddy. And I'm Hannah.
3: And we are the Yeah Podcast. Join us as we dig into young adult literature, reviewing new releases, revisiting old classics, and exploring what YA Lit can teach us, at any
2: age.
1: Discover the world of YA Lit through exclusive author interviews, book reviews, genre, smackdowns, and more. The Yeah! Podcast, available through the Upford Network on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever else you find your podcasts. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! Yeah!